Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. Um, with Bobby Gabari today, stepping in for uh, Big Al. He is still on his safari in Africa. Um, due back tomorrow night. Hopefully he makes it home safely from a couple-week vacation. Mikey Benier filled in last week. Bobby Gabari gets the call this week. Good to be uh, here, Joe. Thanks for having me. I didn't really introduce you yet, but thanks for jumping the gun there. <laughs> you I just said had this my big, name twice. I just had this big elaborate introduction for you. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. So Bobby is a director at our firm, Pure Financial Advisors. We had a big client event this week. Bobby, you emceed some of it. What'd you think? Well, you didn't even introduce yourself, so most of the people thought you snuck into the, the <laughs> I was right on the, the agenda. <laughs> so anyway, um, here's the agenda for today. All right. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm with Bobby Gavari. We're both certified financial planners. Um, I want to get into um, Social Security because the deadline is now passed for um, a couple of different changes. And I want to say, you know, what, what, what now? Um, what are some things that you need to understand still about claiming strategies in regards to your Social Security. We'll talk a little bit about the taxation and the tax trap when it comes to Social Security. Uh, then I want to dive into, I read an interesting article, and uh, the presidential election is heating up. Mm -hmm. And um, so does the what, what does the president election have to do with the markets? You hear um, that question all the time. You know, okay, new president, Democrat, Republican, how is that going to affect returns in the market? And so... Um, this individual did some research and took a look at, well, does the market fare better at uh, a Democratic Republican, uh, a Democratic uh, uh, president or Republican president? The results are kind of interesting. So stick around for that. Uh, then a new confidence study came out. Boomer's confidence is still a little bit low in regards to their overall confidence to retire. Uh, we can get into some statistics there. Um, also got a ton of email questions. Um, Bobby and I will try to tackle as many as we can. And then we got a guest coming up. Uh, second part of the show. And that is who, who, Laura Adams. She's a personal finance expert, author, speaker. Uh, and she's going to, um, an audio book was Money Girl, Smart Moves to Grow Rich. So uh, we'll talk to Laura Adams a little bit later on in the show. Um, and then we can talk about estate planning. Um, some of you may or may not know this, but I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, one of my favorite people uh, passed away, uh, Prince. Uh, he lived about two, let's see, maybe two miles. That close. From where, uh, not like Paisley Park. Okay. <laughs> but where he grew up. Gotcha. Was, like, was right. about two miles where I grew up. Well, probably a little bit less than that. Um, so grew up in North Minneapolis in my, um, I grew up in Robbinsdale, which is, uh, the first suburb right outside of North Minneapolis. North Minneapolis was, you know, just a five blocks from my house. Uh, so he passed away and, uh, guess what? There was no estate plan done. Uh, so there's a large estate. Um, and what happens when you, I mean, with someone with that Prince had no estate plan, zero will. 
in the state wow. of Minnesota, now each state has a, their own different rules because when you die without a will, it's intestate. And so then the state basically takes over the estate plan for you. Um, and then it goes to next of kin and things like that. But if different states have different laws and rules, so you want to make sure that you understand your state laws. But I think the most simple thing, uh, the simplest thing to, to do is to avoid it is to at least get something drafted. Will, trust, something. And so we could talk a little bit about that, um, and then we'll just kind of see where else the day takes us. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, we have on the docket, and um, hopefully you can stick around. If you're listening to the podcast um, or haven't yet, uh, go to iTunes. Subscribe to Your Money, Your Wealth. Um, then you can listen to us at any time of your leisure instead of Saturdays here from 10 to 12. Um, all right, let's get into Social Security real quick. Is that a um, couple of things? File and suspend and restricted application. So the Bipartisan Act was signed last November by the president and took away a couple of different claiming strategies for most individuals or individuals that are um, under 66. Right. So if you didn't, if you're not full retirement age by Friday, right, then you can no longer what is called file and suspend. Um, your benefits, file and suspend. What the heck does that mean? Is that you go to the Social Security Administration once you're full retirement, age 66, you can file for your benefits, but then you could suspend them. And the reason why people were doing this strategy is that they wanted to continue to increase their overall benefit by the 8% tax or the uh, retirement credit that Social Security gave their overall benefit. So you're 66, you don't necessarily want to claim your benefit, but you'd file for your benefit and then suspend them, and then you would still accrue the 8% retirement delayed, uh, delayed retirement credit. Why people did that is that allowed then a spouse uh, to collect spousal benefits on their record, or if they had minor children, the minor children could collect. So because for uh, the, the spousal benefit works is this, if you're married, right, your benefit, let's say it's $2,000, and your spouse's benefit um, is $3,000, all right? Okay, well, your benefit is higher than half of your spouse. 2000 your spouse's is 3000 The spousal benefit would be 1500 bucks. So people would say, well, I don't want to take the spousal benefit. That'd be ridiculous because I would give myself a pay cut. Well, no, what people were doing is saying, you know what? Yeah, I understand my benefit is 2000 My spouse's benefit is 3000 But since my spouse filed and then suspended benefits, I now can claim a restricted application to say I... I'm only taking the spousal benefit. I'm only going to take the $1,500. I'm going to let my $2,000 continue to accrue that 8% delayed retirement credit. So it helped people get cash in their pocket as they were continuing to delay their overall retirement um, benefits when it comes to Social Security. So you had access to your spousal benefit while yours deferred and growed 8% per year until you took your own. Yes, until age 70. That seems like a pretty good deal. Yes, and that is no longer for people that are under age 66. All right. Now, the restricted application still works, and you can still file and suspend. And so you're thinking, what the hell are you talking about, Anderson? Well, let me explain. <laughs> um, the restricted application means that you can still say, all right, I'm, I only want to take the spousal benefit, not my own. All right. If you turn 62 years of age or older by the end of last year. So that is still in play for the next four years. So you can still be able to file a restricted application. However, your spouse has to be claiming their benefit. They have to be receiving the benefit versus filing for their benefit, then suspending them. They actually cannot suspend the benefit. They have to be claiming for those benefits. So if you have a spouse that's 66 and you're 62, the spouse is claiming their benefit, you can still file a restricted application over the next four years and you're still grandfathered into the old rules. So you could wait till your turn 66, that's four years, then you would file that restricted application, take half of the spouse and you can let your 
continue to accrue because they're already taking that benefit. So they gave a little leeway there. Yes, they gave some wiggle room. All okay. right. And so why some and then the, so that's still in play. Now, and the spousal benefit, of course, is still in place. So let's say I didn't have a benefit at all, and my spouse's benefit is $3,000. I'm still going to receive the 1500 bucks because I didn't have a benefit. I've been married to this individual, so I would still qualify for the spousal benefit. So if you never worked, you're still automatically, um, you can Correct. Get that as long as you were married to that spouse for 10 years, and they put in, or, and they put in 40, quarters 40 quarters and so on and so forth. Okay. All right. So now another strategy that people can still do is still suspend their benefit. So let's say you claimed your benefits early at 62 and you took those benefits, right? And then you realize later on is that, you know what, I maybe, I, I, maybe you, you, you took another job and you're making more income where you don't necessarily want to um, have those benefits for some reason. So you could, let's say you, now you turn 66, you, you're continuing, you, you, you go back to work. You can suspend the benefits at that point. And then that benefit will continue to accrue that 8% delayed retirement credit. You took it at 62, you got it early, so you got a 25% permanent haircut. But then now, let's say at 66, right, you say, I'm going to delay until age 70, even though you took it early. Well, they're going to add another 32% on top of that. So you could almost make yourself up whole um, to where it would be at your full retirement age. That's interesting. So it gives you some flexibility in retirement if you decide to go back to work or for whatever reason, you can then suspend it again. Right, because that eight percent is significant. That's a that's you know that's a lot, a lot of, of money. money I mean, and it's guaranteed, time. right? Right by um, the federal government, which Not, I don't know where else you can find that eight percent um, by the government. Yeah, that's pretty good. So there's still things that you can do. So it's still complicated as ever, um, and it's one of the most complex, um, you know, it, I, I guess programs. In the overall uh, <laughs> government, U.S. government, right. that sounds and, about and it's right. Like, though. And it's so important because people need that capital uh, to to provide themselves a retirement income stream. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We're just getting started. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm with Bobby Gavari today. He's a certified financial planner. He's a director of institutional advisory at Peer Financial Advisors. Um, my name is Joe Anderson. I am a certified financial planner, um, and I don't got a snazzy title like that. So uh, talking Social Security today for the first couple of segments, trying to get things figured out here because uh, file and suspend and restricted applications and all these different Some kind of changes. claiming uh, strategies have gone away. Uh, but there's still a lot of different things that people can do and maximize their overall benefits if they understand how all of this stuff works. It's complicated. Uh, so you want to make sure that you understand what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish, and figure out what is the best strategy for you. Uh, but it gets worse. Taxation. Taxation. A lot of people don't know this. So when you look, and then there's this tax trap, um, it's called. So let's say, because there's combined income, there's something that's called provisional income. Um, and then that is taking your adjusted gross income. And then there's some add backs. You add back. Um, half of your Social Security, and then you add back, um, let's say, if you have municipal bond interest. Tax-free income. Yeah, and everything just above besides a Roth IRA distribution. Okay. So you look at what the provisional income is, and then some people don't realize this, but you get into this weird kind of zone. Um, as you add a dollar of income, it could add um, significant tax to that extra dollar of income. So what I mean by this, let's say one... Um, once a couple's income exceeds, 
let's see, $44,000 of combined income, right? An extra dollar of income will push 85% of an extra dollar of Social Security income into taxable income. Because it, how it works is that there's certain thresholds where that ta um, that Social Security would be tax-free, and then up to 50% of that Social Security is going to be taxed, and then up to 85% of it's taxed. So if you're married, as soon as you reach that $44,000 threshold, then 85% of your Social Security is subject to tax. Anything below that, it's 50, and then 34, it would be zero. Um, it would be 50 um, to 40, 34 to 44, 50%, um, and then anything over 44 is then 85%. 85%. All right. So then if you can control your taxes in retirement or your other income in retirement, that could affect then definitely how your Social Security is taxed. So let me, all right, consider an example here of a married couple with $40,000 of annual Social Security income. All right. So if you look at that, half of that, half of that income equals $20,000. This couple only needs another $12,000 of other income, whether it be from um, required minimum distribution, tax-free bonds, interest, or other sources, to hit the $32,000 joint filing uh, threshold. So I, I think I said 34. It's actually 32. There's nothing... Um, so, there's nothing more strange, I guess, than if you add another dollar of income, you think, okay, well, here, if I add another dollar of income, I'm in the 15% tax bracket. Well, then that $1 of income would be taxed at 15%. No, it doesn't work that way because now you push yourself up into that other threshold where an additional dollar now is either taxed at 50% or 85%. That's a big jump. So the, the, the effective rates for some people in this zone could be as high as 28% when you thought you were in the 15% tax bracket. That's insanity, yeah. So you have to look at A, right? What is the appropriate claiming strategy for me? All right, when do I take it? Do I take it right away at 62? Do I take it at 66? Do I push it out to age 70? If I've already claimed it, is there some other things that I can do? Yes, you have 12 month window to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have took this benefit. I can repay it. You have 12 months to repay it, all right? Then after that, now you're stuck with that benefit unless you suspend the benefit when you reach full retirement age, then you can let that continue to accrue to age 70, you get that 8% um, delayed retirement credit. I know I'm talking Greek to most of you, but it's, I've been doing this close to 20 years. I mean, and these rules are insane. They're insane. Yes, Social Security law, like tax law, is very opaque. So the point of the story is that you know, 85% of your benefit is probably going to be subject to ordinary income tax. Is there ways around it? The answer is yes. You have to look at what other income sources is going to come to you on top of your Social Security benefit. Well, that's why planning going into retirement is so critical, right? A lot of people just roll into it without thinking about it. Well, you got to look at, first of all, where's your assets held? Are they in retirement accounts? Are they outside of retirement accounts? Are they in Roth accounts, right? So just take some inventory of where the money is. Because you look at, all right, well, here, I'm approaching Social Security or I'm approaching retirement. I'm going to claim my Social Security benefit. Well, you get the Social Security benefit, but you need more than the benefit that is paying you. So a married couple, $40,000 is your benefit, but you want to live off of $80,000. So you need to find another $40,000 from somewhere. Where's that money going to come from? And how so is it taxed? Right. So you got to take the inventory. You got to look at, all right, well, if all of my money sitting in a 401k plan or an IRA plan, all of that money is going to come to you as ordinary income tax. So you pull the other $40,000 out on top of the $40,000 of um, Social Security will get you to the 80, but wait a minute all the way through as you're pulling those dollars out, once you hit that $44,000 threshold, now 85% of your income is going to be subject to tax where it otherwise wouldn't have. So you will look at, all right, well, maybe is the 401k the best spot to have all of my money? Sure. 
No, maybe you want some money that's in a Roth IRA because when you pull money from a Roth IRA, it's not going to affect that provisional income threshold. It's all tax free. They're not going to. It's not an add back. So when you pull money out of the Roth IRA, it doesn't show up on your tax return. So let's say if I had forty thousand dollars of Social Security income and I pulled forty thousand dollars from my Roth IRA, that's eighty thousand dollars of income. I would pay zero tax on that eighty thousand dollars because I wouldn't get paid tax on my Social Security income, and I also wouldn't pay tax on the Roth IRA because the Roth IRA is not included in the provision income calculation to determine how much of your social security is subject to tax. Right? That Clears was a mouth, yeah, that was a mouthful. <laughs> right? But then you look at, all right, well, maybe I don't have a lot of money in a Roth IRA. All right? Well, maybe I have a lot of money outside of retirement accounts. Okay, well, those assets are subject to a different type of tax as well. That's capital gains. So maybe you have stocks, bonds, mutual funds outside of your retirement account, in your personal account, or in your trust account, in a brokerage account brokerage, right. that's outside of the shell of the retirement account. Right Now, when you pull dollars out of there, that's going to be taxed at a lower rate. Maybe you look at some tax loss harvesting along the way. Be very tax efficient when you start taking distributions from that. Because if I, if I have losses and I realize those losses, and then I have gains, and I realize those gains, those would offset dollar for dollar. And if I'm taking distributions, and I have losses, so those distributions would offset those losses. Mm -hmm. So that would show up either on my return. So there's ways to create a lot of income and not have it included in your provisional income to determine how much of your Social Security is going to be taxed. I mean, they changed the rules but if you understand the rules, you can use them to your you benefit. Can, yes, of course, right. you can use them to your advantage, and you can, I mean, make it have your money grow that much further. Well, we know in retirement, you know, tax drag is always, you know, one of the biggest drags on your net returns. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, so what we want to look at is what's your after-tax net return. Right. That's the only thing that basically kind of matters, that, right? Right. Everyone talks about gross returns, but it's your net after-tax returns that goes into your pocket. I mean, so here's the problem is that people have saved for retirement, but now what? I mean, what do you do with the money? How will you make that money work for you? What you do, you need to get a serious about this, all right? You got to take another break. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Bobby Gabari today. Uh, Big Al is still on vacation. He'll be back uh, next week. Uh, and Bobby's a, a certified financial planner as well. Um, so, you know, Wade Fowl. Yeah. Yeah. I know, Wade. And um, so he does a blog at retirementresearcher.com. And then, so he had a guest blog, Bob French. He's the director of investment analysis at McLean uh, Asset Management. That would be Ken French's son from the University uh, of Dartmouth. Is it really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that's Ken's son. Wow. Smart. <laughs> smart, yeah, smart real smart. Right yeah, there. right, yeah. <laughs> did you know Bob French? I did work with Bob uh, my days at Dimensional. Yeah, I did know Bob. So he moved to D.C. to work with McLean now, but he was at Dimensional for a handful of years. He was? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um. So he did this article that you and I, well, he dissected, um, and you and I are just going to piggyback off his hard work <laughs> is basically what Perfect. we're going to do here. Yeah. Um, so kind of basically looking, you know, with the presidential election coming up, people are naturally curious about what the elections mean for the stock market and more importantly for their investments. People ask this question all the time, right? Democrat, Republican, how is that going to affect returns in the stock market? So answers to this question run the gamut depending on where you get your news. So uh, Bob Fritch is going to break it down for us. 
you know, it's interesting, right? So with statistics, and we always have to take it with a grain of salt here, um, because you can always torture the data to, to, to make it what you want it to be, right? So sure. you can pick certain samples and, and periods, etc. Uh, interestingly enough, the, uh, the data seems to point that Democrats, when in uh, the White House, often lead to higher returns than Republicans. But you kind of look further in that data, and left-handed presidents also lead to higher returns. And tall presidents also lead to higher returns. You know, so it's interesting. Again, you could always dissect the data uh, to make it uh, come out to what you'd like it to be. So looking at average annual return of a Democratic president. 15%. 15% with a standard deviation of 17. So that's risk. Um, Republican president? 7.88. 8% versus 15. That's a pretty big difference. And then look at the risk, a little bit higher risk there too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. You would think, you know, with Republicans trying to uh, be a little bit more motivating for the economy in a sense, it would go the other way. But as you pointed out earlier, markets are a complex product. So so here's a, an argument is that let's say if you have a Republican president in for four years, and then the next term, a Democratic president comes in. Right? Are they getting credit for the and Republicans? And then who's getting credit right. for what? Because or there's vice a delay, versa, right? right? There's a Let's delay. Say there's a Democratic president, and then there's a Republican that comes after that. So there's a lag. So Bob French, guess what he did? He ran the studies there, too, with the one-year lags. So let's see. What does that number look like? Um, it gets a little bit closer here. It's a lot closer. It's 12% versus 11. So, yeah, maybe there is some of that lag taken into effect when you look at these numbers. So it's like, all right, well, what does that mean, right? <laughs> it's always up to interpretation. Well, and then let's say if you have a Democratic House, stock market did 11%. How about a Republican House? Yeah, that, that 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 also right. I mean, the White House is one thing, but Congress, the Senate, and the House—a whole another you know ballpark to add into that. So, if you have a Democratic Senate, twelve point seven, and then Republican Senate, ten point four, ten point five, ten point four eight. Huh? Interesting. All right. So, let's say if you have a Democratic um, unified Democratic President, House, and Senate. What is that there? Fifteen percent. Uh, yep. And then if it was unified on the Republican side. 9.22. So let's say if you have a Democratic president with the Republican House and Senate, then you got 15%. Um, if you have a Republican president with Democratic House and Senate, 8 So uh, the best scenario would be, I guess, a Democratic president with a Republican House and Senate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is, but look at some of these other numbers, right? Presidents six feet and over, 15.6%. Presidents under six feet. 7.2. So vote, you, uh, vote for tall presidents. So, all right. So, Bobby, what are you, 5'2"? <laughs> and I'm 6'4". 5'2"? So, so if five we eleven. were running, if you and I, people would have to vote for me. What are you, Bobby? Th- th- thanks, Joe. 5'2", five, two, two, really? 5'2", five, 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 85 pounds. 5'2", <laughs> <two, 85 laughs> pounds. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, I mean, and then there's a... So, Go on, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I'm short and light. <laughs> You're flighty. That's what I like to call you, flighty. Uh, so what does this all mean? Well, if you're a short-term speculator, uh, you may need to worry. Um, all the other uncertainty and stuff. Um, it means nothing. This no. stuff, it's all noise, right? People always try to find patterns in data. It means nothing. You really don't need to worry about how your portfolio will react um, in this president election. 
I think there's other things that we have to worry about with this president election. Um, but the stock market, I mean, if you go back through history, and he looked back um, 100 years here mm-hmm. um, and ran all sorts of data points. And um, by luck, could be the Democratic. Sure. Some people would probably, then there's um, confirmation bias. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. And I don't really want to go there, but you know, any, anyone that's a Democrat would say, so, no, yeah, of course. of course. This makes perfect right? sense. And then right? the Republican side is saying, this is BS. These numbers <laughs> suck. Like, yeah, what are you right. talking about? Right? That's how it always is. It's always up to interpretation. So we thought we'd have a little bit of fun uh, with that just to cool your nerves. So if you're sitting out of the markets right now, right? that is the wrong just because thing to do. of the president presidential election. Um, that might not that's that might not get you to your goals unless all you need is a maybe a one and a half percent rate of return and go into treasuries. Uh, then by all means, go for it. Sure. But a lot of us need to have some sort of strategy and a plan to get a certain target rate of return of anywhere from probably four to six seven percent long term to accomplish our goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way to do that in today's environment is that you have to have some risk. And with risk, there comes return. And where you get your biggest bang for your buck is in the stock market and real estate market. And a lot of people think, okay, yeah, risk, I don't want any risk, so I'll leave my money in cash or under the mattress. There's risks associated with that, too. I mean, inflation over the long run is going to eat away at your purchasing power. So doing nothing has its own risks as well. So um, next week, I'll get into selling May and go away. You've heard that yeah, before, too. Yeah, there's the January effect. I mean, there's so there's many. Santa Claus effect, yeah. the January <laughs> effect. You know, I was listening to um, an individual that was a trader on Wall Street. Um, and then so he made millions and millions and then lost lost it all, right? And now he writes a blog. And so he's got his own effects on the overall markets because he's got buddies that are still traders. And he calls one of the escort effect. The what? The escort effect. <laughs> Please explain. Right. So if these, you know, you get the pulse on Wall Street, right? Got you. It's so, you know, if these guys are, have higher priced escorts, that means, hey, the cash flow's good. Cash flow's good. Unbelievable. It's not my study. (laughs) I'm just telling you what I read. Well, it's crazy what's out there. And then you got the the, escort effect. Yeah. You got the bling effect. (laughs) You're killing the bling effect. The bling effect. Yeah. I've heard of this. So then he's asking, okay, well, what's the bling effect? And he's like, well, you know, well, you get, you know, you got to ask the traders, you know, what are you buying? And right now they're buying lingerie. So that means they're not buying the diamonds. So <laughs> the cash flow might be a little bit tight. This is, this is just making me angry. <laughs> well, t- why? Because you're 5'2 and 85 pounds? I would be angry too. I'd be very upset. Oh boy. But, um, well, no, I mean, everyone's got an opinion. Yeah, sure. Opinions are opinions. Uh, investing on opinions becomes a little risky. Yeah, I mean, but here's the problem. I mean, people's hearts sink, right, when the stock market drops because maybe they weren't prepared or they don't necessarily understand what the heck is going on. Do you fear that the market could drop further and wipe out your entire life savings? And is it possible you're taking on far more risk in the market and you might not even know it or might not be taking enough risk? Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. All right, welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I am a certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Bobby Gabari. He is a certified financial planner as well. Bobby, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always 
Always a pleasure to be here, Joe. Uh, <laughs> boomer retirement confidence hits all-time low. That's a headline for you right yeah, there. Right. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. uh, baby boomers are less confident than ever that they will have enough money for secure and comfortable retirement, according to a new study that highlights the key roles advisors can play in helping clients plan for their post-work years. Only 24% of respondents said they had confidence uh, in retiring with, with the money they have saved. Yeah, this is by the Insured Retirement Institute's uh, latest report. So the attitudes toward retirement is that, yeah, 24%. And that number has dropped every year since 2011 when they started the study. That year is what? 37% of respondents expressed confidence about mm -hmm. their retirement security. So almost 40% down to 20%. Yeah, that's it's getting worse and worse. So here's a couple of interesting things here. Um, is this, is that why that number's going down, Mr. Gabari? It's a good and bad thing, okay? is that I think more and more individuals are getting educated on how much their retirement is actually going to cost them. Okay? Okay. But once they get that number, they it blows give, up their confidence. <laughs> That's it. They just give up. Huh? It's like, hey, I thought I could you know, spend $50,000 a year on a hundred grand. But no. Yeah, those it's numbers. It's about 4000 right? right? So I think more and more baby boomers that are approaching retirement, they're maybe putting pencil to paper and figuring out, okay, well, what do I need to do here? What's the game plan? And then once they figure that number out, that confidence just goes right down the drain. Well, it says, what, 45% of baby boomers polled say they, they don't have any retirement savings, 45%, and planning on just living off Social Security. And those that um, who do have savings, 42%, say their nest egg is less than $100,000. And you know the crazy part is, is as as longevity tends to increase with modern medicine, you retire in your sixties, you got a twenty, thirty year retirement. That's a very, very long time to create your own income stream. Yeah, I've read and um, heard studies that the, there's a baby born, or there's an individual today that might make it one hundred and fifty. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Surprise! Surprise me! <laughs> His body is like up to speed. I believe in medicine in the future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just pop a pill, and next thing you know, boom, live to 150. So, <clears throat> but um, it's funny. In addition to the general, um, so, so boomers express about their retirement security, right? So everyone's kind of saying, "All right, well, here I'm a little bit behind." Just 46% say they are leaving money to their heirs. Okay, it's not a high pr priority. So 46 down from 67% just in 2013. So this is just a few years. Yeah, less and less for the kids. So it's like before, right? Half are saying, you know what? No, I don't care. I just, it's all mine. I'm bouncing that last check to the mortuary. Where 70% just three years ago said no. I want to make sure that I have something left over for the kids. I think maybe some of this is coming to realization. 59% of respondents say they are looking uh, to Social Security as a major source of income, up significantly from 43% in 2014. Uh, Jamie Hopkins, he's a professor of taxation at the American College, sees a potential silver lining. And uh, he attributes some of the declines in boomers' confidence levels to an increased recognition of what it will take to fund a secure retirement. Still, um, stark findings include the 30% of boomers who say they have stopped contributing to retirement accounts altogether suggest a disconnect between people's attitudes and their actions. 
So people are freaked out. I'm not going to have enough money to retire. I'm not going to give any money to the kids, right? So now what? And they're still not saving. <laughs> yeah, right. So people are becoming much more aware of the challenges they're going to have to face in retirement because really um, they're not really changing anything to be prepared. Um, besides their confidence, it's dropped significantly. Um, so it suggests that people are doing and what their behavior um, is something a little yeah, bit Yeah, seems at odds there. There's a little bit of a disconnect. So those are baby boomers. Let's get into the millennials. So this was a study. Motley Fool said uh, two million is the new million. Two million is the new million. Yeah, that's, I think there was the like goal. kind of a rule of thumb, or some people thought once they reached a million bucks that they would be financially independent. But that has to do with your spending, right? You can have a million dollars and blow it in two years. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or you could have a, a million dollars and give five million to right. the next generation because you're not spending that any right. of it. And so it's growing of, at six percent for thirty. So years. much of it is dependent on the spending. Right. I mean, we have clients that you know have a couple hundred thousand dollars that live a wonderful, wonderful right. retirement. Right. We have clients that have several million dollars that will blow through it in 10, 15 years. It's interesting how that works. That's, that, that's you wanted it, you more say, say more to that? Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> it's radio. Well, it's interesting how it works that you can have a couple of million dollars, but based on your spending, that's not going to last you. Or like you said, you have 500000 and you can live a great lifestyle. So that, yeah, to me, that's an interesting little fact. So... They surveyed some people that are retired. If they could go back in time, would they change anything? What would that be? Uh, so they asked about Social Security. So they're like, you know, Social Security in particular. is said, all right, well, when do people take it? And many people who have taken it at 62 swear they would do it again if they had the chance. Wait until 70, they say, and you'll never make up the money you missed out on. So they're well, still misinformed here. All right. So, sure, Social Security strategies can be complicated, especially for married people, but there is really no wrong answer. It really depends on life expectancy, depends on all sorts of things. So they asked um, a couple of different people. So this one, uh, Damon Miller. How old were you when you started taking Social Security? And if you had to do it over again, would you take it at the same age, wait, or take it earlier? So that's the question they proposed to people that take in their Social Security. So Damon Miller said, I took my Social Security at age 62. I'm 69 right now. I retired from the federal government at age 60 with a pension in TSP fund. So I didn't really need the money. But to me, a single retiree with no dependents, it seems like a no-brainer. Since I don't have a spouse, there's no benefit available to anyone after I die. If I decided to wait and got hit by a bus the day before I reached 70, the government would have pocketed all that money that I passed up. Now I have a nice little nest egg, which I can pass on to my heirs. So this guy's double talking. He first of all says he doesn't have any heirs and he has heirs. And then he's like, well, what, here, well if I wait, yeah. <laughs> you don't need the money. And if you got hit by a bus, if you got your dead. It, yeah, doesn't it doesn't matter, matter right. anyway. It's so it much of it has matter to do anyway with what's going on in your life, right? It, it all varies. So, if you already have income, I would push it out yeah, because why, you why can take it, right? Yeah, right. And what you can take it and invest it. Are you getting more than eight percent? It's interesting. Also, people's perspectives. You know, my I talked to my uncle, and he's like, "No, I took it as early as possible." I was like, "Well, why? You don't need it at this point." Well, I don't think Social Security is going to be there, so I want to get every dime while I can. I mean, everyone has so many different perspectives on, on how they approach it, but 
you really should think through a lot of those different options. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth.